from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. These are gripping. It's hard to look away from these portraits. Very stark black and white. Is that something that you were doing then out in the field? You weren't bringing them into a a studio? Oh, no, no. Actually, um, that whole process varied towards the end. We got lazy, but um, no. You got lazy? (laughs) Well, I I bought a, a big black tent that we carried around because I didn't want the light environment to uh, interfere with my lighting. Yeah. Um, but as it went on, that big black tent got to be cumbersome, so we, we got away from that. And I just hope to slap some people alongside the head and, and uh, get motivated and, and do something about it. I mean, it's just a shame. I'm Sarah Fenske. Jerry Tovo has been a commercial photographer and artist based in St. Louis for decades. He's worked for clients ranging from Nordstrom and Bloomingdale's to Anheuser-Busch and Monsanto. But Jerry Tovo is also a former drill sergeant. And the exhibit of his work, debuting next week at the International Photography Hall of Fame and Museum, may be his most personal. It's a series of gripping black-and-white portraits of veterans dealing with homelessness. And Jerry Tovo joins us today. Jerry, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Jerry, what first got you started on this photographic series? The, the Homeless Veteran Series itself? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'd, um, I've been a commercial photographer for a thousand years, and uh, I, I sort of became a niche photographer for black and white, and I developed a series of portraits that were on the gritty side. And when I heard that um, you know, some a splurge of news coverage about how homeless veterans, TV, magazines, stuff like that, I thought, well, my style really suits that that person. People wear their lives on their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought well, this could be something interesting. Maybe I could do some sort of an, an awareness campaign and uh, maybe motivate some people to do something about it. And so you had this idea almost before you knew the individual people involved. How did you go about finding the people to photograph for this? Uh, it, was, it was a learning curve. You know, we started out locally and... Um, we just did a lot of research. We found a guy here down around uh, what they used to call Bum Park or something like that. And there was a, a, a gentleman who was kind of the king of the homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked to him, and he rounded up people that were veterans, homeless veterans. So we, we got our start there. Um, I didn't really like that the way we approached it because there was a line of people mm. waiting. And I'd rather spend more time and not have to worry about what's behind me. Is But... It, it worked out well. We developed some technique and some smartness about it. And as we went on, we learned that uh, we couldn't just show up in a community without having some plan. Um, we tried that once, and it didn't work out well. As a, as a, it was a lucky situation because as it was Nashville. As we were leaving Nashville, I saw a group of men standing in a, in a little corner of a park, and I, I approached them and I said, do you know of any homeless veterans? And they, they were all homeless veterans. Mm. So it was good timing, and um, the, the guy said, you know, if you really want, I can round up more and I'll meet you here in the morning. So, so it was a stroke of luck, and um, he did, and he, was, uh, he turned out to be a very good support person for us. That's great. Yeah. And so it sounds like some people were very receptive when you brought this up. Were other people not so sure? 
it weren't they wasn't the subjects that weren't sure, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of the organizations that were skeptical, and um, we had a hard time getting through with their cooperation. As a matter of fact, we thought the VA would be a partner in this whole thing. Uh, it started out very strong with the VA, and then all of a sudden, bam, it just stopped. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. No one would answer. And the best we could deduce is it looked to them like we were doing something more aggressive than they were doing. Okay. So um, I don't know that's they a just, fact. Yeah, they just got uncomfortable well, with... I think they did, yes. And hmm. uh, it went from a, starting off with a bang to bam, just at the end of it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious how you got these portraits. I mean, these are gripping. They, it's hard to look away from these portraits. Mm-hmm. Very stark black and white. Is that something that you were doing then out in the field? You oh. weren't bringing them into a, a oh. studio? Oh, no, no. Actually, um, that whole process varied towards the end. It got, we got lazy, but um, no. We, you got lazy? <laughs> we got, well, I, I, I bought a, a big black tent that we carried around because I didn't want the light environment to uh, interfere with my lighting. Yeah. Um, but as it went on, that big black tent got to be cumbersome, so we got away from that, and we just made do otherwise. You could make it work with sort of the natural shadows? Uh, we just tried to push them back into the into the shadows so that we okay. had some some kind of control. Yeah. But um, it, it approaching the people, you know, um, most of the subjects were... were more than happy to do it. I mean, they were they greeted us with you know great delight because somebody was doing something about what was going on. Wow. The organizations, not so much. I, to my knowledge, we only had one person decline, um, and it was down in uh, Washington D.C. Um, and I think I don't know, he he was the only Jewish person there, and I don't want to you know cast him as you know an outcast or something, but. He, he was on board, then we saw what we were doing, he declined, he walked away. Hmm. So with a, with portraits like this, where you're getting so close to, mm-hmm. you know, we can see people's lives in their face, yeah. there's a thin line between representation and uh-huh. exploitation. Mm-hmm. How did you find that line in this project? Well, I think that I have a, an ability to become very familiar with somebody pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, I was a friend, and I was doing something that they, they approved and and hoped wouldn't result result in something. So I think our relationship just got started very quickly, very easily. And we weren't that close, but you know, it was a it was a comfortable distance, maybe farther than we are now. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a wasn't a problem. Um, you know, just um, manip- I mean, uh, prospecting, finding places to shoot. Yeah. And and uh, towards the end we actually um, we started using Google because we were looking for places on, on Google Maps to find where we, where we could shoot, and that worked out much better than just showing up and trying to find some place in the area. Yeah, you could kind of scout ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. So it sounds like they, they were on board and they opened up to you pretty quickly. I'm wondering if that was in part because you yourself have this background. You were drafted. You became a drill sergeant. You could relate to them in a way that I can't relate to them. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> I, I would hope so, too. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, did you open up about that at all as you I talked did. to them? Yeah, yeah. sure. That, that that relationship I established early. You know, I was a drill sergeant. And uh, actually, one of, the, one of our subjects turned out to be a drill sergeant, too. But it was a little insulting because he's supposed to be a cook, and he wasn't a very good cook, so they made him a drill sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a little bit of an yeah. insult there, yeah. <laughs> I hope that wasn't the case with your promotion. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
yeah, it, it was easy to relate quickly. And so as you're there um, talking to them, did you think about the men that you trained? I mean, thinking about their former selves, even though they weren't the same men, they're yeah. the same kind of men. Yeah, there were only a few that I could relate to that way that were in when I was a drill sergeant. But generally, not, not really. I, I expressed to them that I had the experience and I understood. Yeah. But I didn't dwell on that so much. So you had mentioned that a lot of these men were, were willing to be a part of this. They were hoping something would come out of this. Yes. And you were doing this work, uh, this was about a decade ago, eight years ago. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Started in 2011. And, and as you said, at the time, there's, there seemed to be a lot of attention paid to this issue. Yeah, from the from a press standpoint, yeah. I don't know that the didn't result the, in action. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that the the administration or the politics of it all uh, was paying that much attention to it. But but once I caught wind of it, I thought it was a perfect fit. Yeah, and I, I'm sure these guys were somewhat hopeful that there had been all this press coverage, and and I know that's something you were hopeful mm. of as well. W- was that difficult to see? You know, sort of that moment people just ended up getting distracted by something else. And America moved on. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, our our goal was to to take this to shoot the entire country. You know, we shot pretty much the eastern half before everything just kind of fell down due to lack of funding. But our goal was to get all of these images, these high impactful images, on a display in Washington D.C., where we can bring politicians and their wives in and you know, say. Look! Look! Yeah. At this. Look at these faces. I mean, they're just—they're not just, you know, empty bodies out there, bums and stuff like that. These are these are people. Yeah. But uh, we never made it to Washington, and you know, it makes me very sad that we didn't. But um, yeah, that's just the way it ended. Yeah. You mentioned that it was—it was a funding issue. Oh, big time funding issue. Yeah. yeah. And the weird thing is that some of well, first of all, I never thought for a second that it would be difficult raising funds for a project like this. Um, but we ran into some long delays with the 501c3 process. And then uh, about the same time, there's a group called the Wounded Warrior. Mm-hmm. And they had unlimited funds to do TV ads and stuff like that. And it seemed like every time we approached somebody significant, their answer was, well, we've already donated our, our yearly donation to the Wounded Warrior campaign. Okay. So, um, People felt, well, we've dealt with that, ready yeah, to move on. Yeah, they move yeah. on, yeah. Actually, I had a, a veteran who was a professional fundraiser, and he said, well, I can walk across the street and get you $30,000. Well, he, he never came back, and he never had the $30,000, but um, you know, he made the effort. Yeah. It was, just, it was just funding. It was very frustrating, depressing. I'm I'm sorry to hear about that frustration, but these photos they they exist mm. documenting yeah. this community, and now they're going to be on display at this International Photography Hall of Fame. Yes. Does it feel good that you can again you can remind people this issue has not gone away? That's exactly you know what I what I'm having run through my mind is it's been a while, but bring it back, and everybody wanted to know why I wanted to do something you know that was old. Uh, I just hope it sparks some interest in somebody else, you know, somebody that has the means to move on with it. So, And, and for the veterans that you photographed in this project, um, do you have any sense of, of if any of them are still even with us today? There are several of them that I know have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though we gave each one of them a card, I mean, once they passed away, they couldn't reach out to me. So yeah. that, that line of communication kind of fell short. But 
there are several that have passed away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so in featuring your work, the International Photography Hall of Fame writes that, quote, the photographs and stories in this gallery show the price of avoiding this issue. That price is written on the faces of the veterans see, you mm-hmm. see here. What price do you think we as a society pay for not helping these veterans? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know how to exactly answer that. I'll just, I will just tell you that... At one point in our in our campaign, we did some research and there was like 160 million dollars uh, allocated for homeless veterans. At the same time, there was like 920 billion dollars that we spent on pets, dog food, and stuff like that. And the correlation to, to me was just outstanding. I mean, that's 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 unheard of. I mean, yeah. yeah, we all love our dogs and pets like that. Um, actually, we tried to reach out to you know some of the uh, pet suppliers like Ralston and stuff like that, but again, we were kind of stifled. Once again, yeah, yeah, yeah pets for vets. And it was an interesting prospect, but just did not make it through. Yeah, it is so interesting to think about the priorities. And when we're thinking about the Vietnam era, we're thinking about guys who got drafted. You mm-hmm. know, these were. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole another issue in terms of people who are almost, you know, cajoled into signing yeah. up. But, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. these are men who didn't choose mm-hmm. this. They're still living with it today. Yeah. What do you hope these photographs move people to do as we're looking at them now again in St. Louis? I just hope it slaps some people alongside the head and, and uh, getting motivated and, and do something about it. I mean, it's just a shame. Yeah. So this exhibit, it opens March 30th. Again, this is at the International Photography Hall of Fame right here in Grand Center. On April 2nd, you're making a presentation on the stories behind those photos. That's correct. Yeah, so it sounds like this is going to be something people people can tune in uh, virtually. They can also be there in person. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You're going to be telling some of the memorable stories from gonna, this experience. Everything I can remember in 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, pressure's on. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Well, this is something people are going to want to mark their calendars for. Mm-hmm. We have all the information about that on our website. That's stlonair.show. Uh, for more information about the event, you can visit iphf.org. Again, that's the International Photography Hall of Fame, located here in Grand Center. And you can see those photos. It opens March 30th, um, and it, it will run for a, a number of months there. I, I believe so, yeah. And I might say, you say you can go to the website and get signed up for the virtual one. But it's sort of difficult, and I think they kind of steer you back to just calling the IPHF to get the get the link for that it. That is some good advice yeah. there. So call IPHF yeah. in yeah. order to join in this yeah. event. Jerry Tovo, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.